Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. Church, how are you guys doing today? Happy, happy 4th of July weekend. We're so glad that you are here today. Thank you for joining us online. Maybe you're joining us from the lake and we're not jealous. We're not mad at you completely. So glad you guys are here today. You are in for a treat today, hopefully. Uh, not one, not two, but three different communicators are going to come to you today. There's some uh, differences between us, obviously, that there's maybe some of those are uh, obvious. Two of us are very tall. <laughs> two of us have lovely hair. And two of us shop at the same place. You can decipher whichever ones you want there. Um, we have a great time today. We, we have a great message planned for you. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 15. I'll give you a second to pull that up on your phones there. Uh, imperative that I give you a little bit of background about this, what's going on here, a little timeline of what's going on. John 15, we're reading at a time whenever Jesus is finished up the Last Supper. He has uh, washed the disciples' feet. Um, Judas has already left. He's gone. And so this is Jesus. They just left the upper room, and they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane the night that Jesus would be arrested. So you get an idea of the intensity of what's going on here. And this is Jesus on the way. I assume, based on the text, they're probably either close to the garden or they're at least passing by somewhere where they see a garden because Jesus opens it by this. I'll start at verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You already are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain, everybody say remain. remain. In me, and I also remain, everybody say remain. remain. In you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, everybody say remain. remain. In the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain, everybody say remain. remain. In me, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain, everybody say remain. In me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain, everybody say remain. remain. In me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain, everybody say remain. remain. In me and my words remain. Everybody say remain. remain. In you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is the for my Father's glory that you, much, that you may bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. I don't know if you picked up on the subtlety of the text. It's hidden. You got to really listen in there. Jesus is telling us to remain. Today, we hope to bring you a message about the strength to remain. There are challenges with that. Am I right? What, how do I remain in Christ 
uh, when the world's like it is? How do I remain in Christ when money's tight? How do I remain in Christ when my children aren't serving God? How do I remain in Christ when my marriage is on the rocks? How do I remain in Christ when people are just pushing my buttons? We hope to illustrate that, hopefully give you some encouragement, some challenge today, and maybe answer a few of those questions along the way. I don't know about you, but when I read this text, some things kind of jumped out to me. Uh, Verse 2 mainly, Um, it says this, I'll read it again. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it may be even more fruitful. Now, a couple things there, cuts off and prunes. You got to understand, like I said, given the timeline and who Jesus is talking to, he's talking to the 11 guys that are most bought into who he is. These guys have had the most training. They've seen the most stuff. These are his closest disciples. Jesus is giving a message to believers here. Everybody raise your hand if you're a believer. Yeah. This is a message to believers. And these two terms jumped out at me cuts off and prunes because they, at very least, do not sound comfortable, right? It sounds a little harsh, cuts off and prunes. Those things are a little bit scary. When I, when I began to read and kind of delve into it a little bit, I did a little bit of research on uh, uh, tending to a, 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 wine, a wine, excuse me, a grape vine. And in my research, I found out a few things. Number one, it's, it's a very meticulous job. If you are going to garden, which is the place of the Father, if you're going to garden this vine, uh, it's going to require your attention. You're going to know what's going on with these things because what will happen is these vines will, will break off and they'll, they'll go a different way. They have to be trained. They have to be brought up out of the ground because some of these vines would grow along the ground, and when they grew along the ground, they would, they would begin to pull the resources that they need from the ground instead of from the vine, which I found very interesting. So after looking at that, I kind of went back and went to the Greek, the Pastor John here, went to the Greek. And I looked at the phrase cuts off. We're reading out of the NIV today, and that phrase cuts off. When I looked at it in the Greek, it, it's actually the Greek word arrow. I said arrow, it's aerial, adio. I got my Greek accent on. And when you look that up, it means this. It means to raise up from the ground, to take up, to raise upwards, to elevate, to lift up, to draw up. And as I begin to think about this beautiful picture that Jesus has given us about a vine and about the Father, uh, a, a meticulous work to make this vine grow and to make this vine produce fruit, I began to see what he was talking about. You see, when we talk about those vines, that those, those branches that go along the ground, they begin to uh, pull up the wrong source. They begin to try to produce fruit from the wrong source. See, Jesus meticulates it greatly when he says, uh, if you remain in me, uh, then, then you're going to produce fruit. If you don't remain in me, you can't do anything. And I got the picture of this vine growing along the ground, trying to pull the resources, trying to pull the things that it needs to produce fruit from the ground. And they'll grow. And you know what? They'll grow alongside with the regular vine. They'll, They'll look like a vine. They'll act like a vine, but they do not produce fruit. Some of us look like a vine, act like a vine, 
but have trouble producing fruit. Why is that? It's because our source is wrong. Sometimes we're so buried up in life, we're pulling the energy that we need to try to produce fruit from the ground, from the world, from our job, from our family, our relationships. Man, if I just do this, it'll produce fruit. And it won't. It simply won't. We're pulling from the wrong source. We have to ask ourselves that question, am I pulling from the right source? Because what the Bible says that God will do when he sees that is that he will raise up. He will lift it up. So what does that mean? That means it cuts off the other sources. Some of us go, God, why am I having such a hard time? I love God. I'm trying to do the right thing, uh, but I'm really, really struggling. And now the great, the best thing in my life, my job or my are, are, are these things that I had in my life that I thought were gonna produce fruit. Now they're just being pulled away and God's going, wait a second, I'm trying to redirect you. I'm trying to raise you up and separate you from a bad source. See, he's always looking out for us. He's always gently, meticulously guiding us. And when we believe in him, we have this assurance. It's not simply cut off. Now, as I looked, there was some times that it did cut off. But for the most part, it was about raising up, elevating, and tweaking. See, the vine grows and produces fruit with just the slightest difference in sun and shade. The training of the vine requires a meticulous nature. You have to pay attention. And I see God just slowly bringing us up and going, you don't need that in your life. That's not going to bear fruit. You don't need this in your life. You think you need this, but you don't. I'm going to separate you from it. I'm going to lift you above it so that your only source can be that of Jesus. How many times have you heard somebody say, man, I got no other choice but to be in church. Jesus, God is my only hope. Well, amen, now you're ready to start. Right? God is slowly bringing you along and he's saying, hey, I am going to lovingly lift you up and elevate you out of that. I'm going to separate you from a source that does not bear because Jesus is the only way we bear fruit. The second word was prunes. Now, this is about people that actually are bearing fruit in their life. Good things are happening. God's working through you. You got things going on. But the Bible says that he will prune. See, the, the other meticulous nature of the vine dresser is that um, if you don't pay attention, even the stuff that is growing and, and doing well, sometimes you've got to prune that as well. When I looked up the word prune in the Greek, it's, it is this. It's kathero. Kind of the same base word, but a different And it means this. To cleanse of filthy impurity, etc. To prune trees and vines from useless shoots. Somebody say useless shoots. Man. Metaphorically, I love this. It said from guilt to expiate. And that means to atone for. So now get an image of this. When we're connected, our source is Jesus. We're producing fruit. God is still going to come in and go, yep, you don't need that. Yep, I'm going to trim this off right here. Yep, I'm going to keep you from evil with this decision. I don't understand it. God, things were going so well, we're producing fruit. And then this job opportunity happened, and then the door just slammed. He's going, yeah, you don't need that. That might be a useless shoot in our life. As I read that and I looked at the Greek, I began to really feel more comfortable with those two words. 
they really began to minister to me and to know that God was watching me meticulously. That if I was not plugged in, he'd gently raise me up and bring me to a place where I'd draw the source from Jesus. And even when I was producing fruit, God was still watching away. And when you look at that last part, it says atone for, that means that God is constantly keeping me from evil. He's constantly cleansing me. There's no better place than to remain in Jesus. Yeah? Stay connected. We understand connected, right? How many of you got a, how many of you got a, uh, how many of you got a smartphone or a computer, right? Have you guys ever been anywhere where you're looking on your computer or you're looking on your smartphone and you're trying to find some information and, and you just, you, you got no Wi-Fi connection? Is that frustrating anybody else? Yeah. I mean, all you get is this blank stare. Nothing loads. You can't get the information you want. You know, just on the other side of that, just on the other side of that is every bit of information that you could possibly need. You even know that your, your uh, Instagram post and you'll see how many likes you have. But you just can't connect, right? Oh, it's frustrating. All that information just outside of your reach. Everything you could possibly need or want just beyond. So that tells me we understand connection. Jesus is telling us, stay connected. Remain in me. Everything that you need comes from me. When you begin to, to illustrate what you need to do, you have to just jump back one chapter. In the same, the same sequence of events, as Jesus is in the upper room, he tells the disciples exactly what they need to do to stay connected. If you go to, to John 5, 14, or excuse me, 14, 12, it says, Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. What you have here is Jesus saying, hey, do what I do. Do what I do. What did Jesus do more than anything? He prayed and he submitted his life to the will of God. Firstly, we need to submit our lives to the will of God. Do what Jesus did. Second thing was this, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. In other words, keep it holy. I love the scripture that says, don't have two sets of scales. I always thought that was about being kind to one another and treating each other right. But I really see that that is God saying, you can't have two judgments. There's a standard of behavior. There's a standard that I put out there, the commandments. We live in a world full of circumstantial truth. And God says, nope, there's only one truth. Keep it holy. Keep it holy. And finally, it talks about um, John 14, 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Cherish his word. Cherish his word. Do what Jesus did. Keep it holy and cherish his word. The why is the last verse of this passage for me. John 15, eight. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. The fruit that we bear, we can't produce it, we only bear it, is not for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the Father. All the good things that God brings out in us, he's gonna use to his, to his wisdom. He may bless somebody else. 
It's all for his, so that we will show to be his disciples. The strength to remain in him is within him. Now welcome Pastor Jackie. Yes, Jesus gives all of us the strength to remain in him, amen? I don't know about y'all, but I, uh, when I was listening to that, I'm like, I sometimes, I don't like that pruning process, and sometimes it's a little challenging, so I just want to kind of abort that remaining in him and kind of take charge and do it my way. Anybody else? Yes, but we are to what? Remain, amen, amen. Well, gosh, I am so glad to be here this morning, and I want to, uh, you may or may not know, but that I come from a military family, and uh, my dad was in the Army for 25, I'll say 30 plus years, and he fought in several different wars, and he uh, decided when I was six years old that he was going to retire from the Army. And so when he decided to retire, my mom decided she needed to go back to work full-time when she was a registered nurse. And then my dad took on the responsibility of raising not only myself, but I have four other siblings. So there's a total of five of us. And guess where I am in that ranking? I'm, thank you. I am the, how did you know that? We'll talk. I am the baby of those five. Now, in between me and my next sibling, there's a, a little significance um, or a little distance, I should say, between us. So when my dad decided to retire, I'm six years old, and I'm a little six-year-old, first grade. I need a lot of training, right? I need a lot of upbringing. I need a lot of shaping. I don't know the do's and don'ts and the wrongs and the rights, right? Right? Yes? Yeah. So with that, my dad, his position in the Army was a master drill sergeant. Yeah. Woo, I hear. Yes. But before we go on, I want to take a moment today or this weekend, we celebrate our, the freedom of our country. Amen? And so since I'm, yes, yeah. And since we are talking about the military, I want to acknowledge all those here in the house and online. If you've served or have served, thank you for your service. Can we give it up for the men and women who give us the freedom for our country? So did I tell you that I'm six years old, right? And my dad's a master drill sergeant, right? And he's taking over raising us siblings. But really, he's only taking over raising me. Right? Yeah, okay. A drill sergeant is a symbol of excellence in initial entry training. An expert in all warrior tasks and battle drills, lives the army values, exemplifies the warrior ethos, and most importantly, is the epitome of the army as a profession. That was my dad. He was a big deal. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah? So, did I tell you that I'm six years old and he's a master drill sergeant? I think I did. So here we go. So, you know, a master drill sergeant, as it said, entry level. So these trainees are coming into the Army. He is teaching them how to run. He's teaching them how to march. He's teaching them how to hold their equipment. He's teaching them when to go to bed and when, and when to get up. He's teaching them when they are to eat and how much they should eat, everything on their plate. And he's teaching them everything, how to be a warrior. So did I tell you that I'm six years old and he's a master drill sergeant and he's raising me? Okay. 
So that's where I'm going with this. So I, my dad did. He raised me. A lot of my, my siblings, like I said, there was distance. So they were kind of running their lane and doing their thing. And I loved it, though. I loved the discipline I, because I didn't know any different, right? I did not know any different. So I'm loving the discipline. I'm loving getting up at a certain time and cleaning my room and making my bed. I didn't love having to eat the liver and onions on my plate. And every now and then I was able to, when they turned their heads, kind of spit in my napkin, the liver and onions, though, sir. But however, I was provided for. My family was very provided. We had a beautiful home. Food was on our table. Uh, and, and we were well taken care of. But what happened during that time, my dad's raising me. I get into my, my teenage years. I, um, I start dating. And if you were here a couple weeks ago when, when we played the Father's Day video, the guy's standing at the door, uh, the father's standing at the door when the guy comes to get the girl to go out on a date. That was my dad with the shotgun, you know. This big Italian man, this big Italian man, and he, I mean, big and tan, but man, he was, mm, his voice when he spoke, it was authoritative. So I only had three dates. <laughs> three. And I'm not exaggerating. I had three dates. And I hated every bit of it. <laughs> but um, because it was hard. And then one time, I came home late. And it wasn't a, hey, honey, let's sit down. Let's talk about what, what, what's going on while we were late. Oh, no, 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 no. There was no sitting down, talking about, talking it through and kind of working it out. It was, I'm on restriction. Um, I, you know, we command and demand. So he's very authoritative, very verbal. And so, um, and that's all I knew. So I get into my adulthood and I start, uh, start, Feeling and having relationships with people, but it was it was unhealthy, and there was something wrong in my in my interactions with people, and so um, I began to notice that when people loved me, when I got attention, is when I was doing well, when I was performing right, when I did everything right. If I if if I'm and if I messed up. Then you would the the relation the, the person would pull away from me, so then I felt rejected, unloved, unlovable. So that's how I was taught to receive love is how I performed, and then I noticed I began to give love that way. So if you performed well for me, we 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 rocked. We we had it all going on. But if you didn't, you heard that you were not loved. You got rejected. And so that's how I received love, and that's how I was taught to give love. And I don't know about any of you out there, but I wonder if, if we don't somehow have an unhealthy uh, perspective about really what love is. Because my dad was doing the right thing the wrong way, and it produced the wrong thing. So in John 19, 5, let's go, or yeah, John 15, 9, I'm sorry, let's go to John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command, and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. And this is Jesus saying this. Jesus is saying, this is my command, that you love each other. I don't know about you, but loving people isn't easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And so, okay, I had that unhealthy perspective of love. So when I hear scriptures like this, love each other, I'm like, okay, command to man, beat them up. And I did beat them. I did. I did that, guys. And, and as I'm leading volunteers, and many of you, I have restored that relationship and so, great, so thankful for your graciousness. But I would hurt people along the way, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I come here today as a believer. I came to know Christ at 10 years old. And so I began this performance love journey at 10 years old. And I want to say today as a believer, and many of you raised your hand earlier when Pastor Adam asked if you were a believer, we can, it's my conviction today, through my experience, we can love all people, say all people, the Father's way, the Father's way. There was this young man, he was eating a dish of fish. Um, and he was enjoying it, and this rabbi comes to him, and he says, young man, why are you eating that fish? I love fish. Oh, you love fish. That's why you pulled it out of the water, killed it, and boiled it. You don't love fish. You love yourself. It tastes good. So that's why you pulled it out of the water, you killed it, and you boiled it. I believe love in our culture today is somewhat lost its meaning. Too much of what we call love is fish love. I love chocolate. I love pizza. Girl, I'm be loving them shoes you got on. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But in John 15, 9, it talks, what is this father's love? Well, it's what we call agape. So agape is a choice. Everybody say choice. Agape is a deliberate striving for another's highest good and is demonstrated through action. Another definition would be this. General empathy or loving kindness for all people. All people. Fish love is easy. Agape love can only happen if we remain and stay connected to him and in him. I, I want to close with this. I was 10 years old and started my love walk with the Lord. Performance love, just this constant tug, performance love, performance love. But as I remained in him, that pruning process began to take place, and I didn't even know it. But he began to renew my mind, and he began to renew that that fruit that was produced in me to perform. And over the years, that renewal, that reshaping of my mind, I now, I don't hit it all the time, I don't hit the mark all the time, but I do 
start from a heart of loving people intentionally, choosing to listen, choosing to be there for you, and not so that I can get anything, because I'm, I'm not, it's not self-gratification anymore, it's so that you feel valued, you feel accepted, and you feel loved. Parents, you come home from a long day's of work, long day of work, your kids want to go out and play ball, and you're like, I'm tired, and you say, nope, I'm going to put that tiredness aside, and I'm going to go out, and I want to be with my kids. That's that agape love. You have a friend that calls you at 9.30 at night when you're in bed. That's me. I go to bed early, just so you know. And I'm, I, I need help. I need some word of encouragement. You know what? God will give me the sleep I need. God needs this, my friend to be ministered to. My friend needs me. That's that agape love. And when you do it, there's a joy that comes up on the inside of you like none other, and that's the joy that he talks about. His joy is complete in us. His joy is complete. So enjoy the pruning process and bear that long, that long good, lasting fruit and let that joy be complete in you. And so let's love God. Let's love all people because the best way to love all people is God's way. Amen. Pastor Abdiel. Come on, that was awesome. Amen. So, as we're looking at John chapter 15 this morning, Pastor Adam gave us an understanding of what our relationship to Jesus looks like and what it means to be connected to the vine. And Pastor Jackie walked us through what it looks like as we are connected to the vine, what it looks like to love one another. And we'll see as we dive into this final part of John chapter 15, how Jesus gives us an understanding of what the dynamic in our relationship to the world will be like. So in John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me First, some of y'all are like, that escalated quickly. <laughs> Verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also, if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. I want to skip down to verse 26. It says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. How many of you have ever been friends with two people who don't like each other? You ever been there? Raise your hand, come on, don't make me feel alone up here. I've been there before plenty of times in my life. In fact, there was this one season of my life where I was in high school, it was early on in high school, 
and I was a part of a really close-knit, tight friend group of guys, and we did all sorts of things together. I mean, we would go on trips together. We would have hangouts at each other's houses. We would go uh, to camps together. We were in the same youth group. We played sports on the same teams. We did all sorts of things together. And I remember one trip in particular, we went to go check out a college campus. We were on a campus visit and there was tons of us from our school. We were on this big charter bus and as we were loading up to go back home, all I remember is out of nowhere, I turn around and two of the guys that are in this friend group are like going at it, like all out brawl, like fist fight on this bus. It was, it was crazy. I mean, it was, it was insane. I'm not sure what stirred up the conflict, but these guys, they had to be separated. It was nuts. They ended up getting suspended from school. And I remember when they got to the point where they could start going back to, to school and, and, and participate in all these other things, I, I, I would be caught in, in that awkward middle ground between two people who couldn't stand each other. I would be in class uh, one day with, 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 with this person and I would have to hear all about how, man, I can't stand that guy. He, he, he better hope I don't see him again because if I see him again, let me tell you, man, he's got another thing coming. And then I would be you know, at lunch period having lunch with the other guy and you know, the same thing. I would have to hear about, man, how I can't stand this guy. right? I, I, man, I, I hope that I see him again because if I see him again, man, something's about to happen to him and it's not going to be pretty. How many of you ever been there, caught in the middle between two sides that are in conflict with one another? And what happens is, what happens is, is that when you are caught in the middle of conflicts like this, you, you end up with this thing called tension. Everybody say tension. Because what you have is you have one person that you're loyal to, or in this instance, I had two people that I was loyal to, yet Every day, every single day, day in and day out, I had to hear some sort of some sort of opposition or opposing view of that other side or of that other person. And what that caused in my life and in those relationships was tension. Everybody say tension. And what I want us to understand this morning is that friendship with Jesus will produce tension with the world. When we remain connected to the vine, as the branches, friendship with Jesus will produce tension with the world. Now, I want to make one thing clear. When we, when, when we use and say the word world, what Jesus is referring to, he's referring to the culture, the systems, the ideologies, and the doctrines that are opposed to the values of the kingdom as revealed in scripture. This is what we mean by the world. Like we're not talking about the literal planet earth, right? Like, like there's something wrong with, with the planet. No, we're, we're talking about the systems, the cultures, the doctrines, the things that oppose the values of the kingdom. And listen, the world will not take lightly when you choose friendship with Jesus over friendship with it. The world will not like it when we choose to remain connected with the vine rather than being connected with the values of the culture, with the systems of the culture. The world will not take lightly when we choose friendship with Jesus over friendship with the world. I want to remind you of what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. 
if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. These are some heavy words from Jesus. These are some, this, this is one of those, those, those verses in the Bible that I wish wasn't there. Come on, can we be honest? This is one of those passages of scriptures that I wish Jesus would have never said. That I wish that I wish was left out, and we and, and I and we read many of those passages of scripture that we wish weren't in the Bible. I wish Jesus that you would have never said this because it's it causes tension in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. Because because the reality is that I, I try hard every day to remain connected to you, but I am faced with the challenges of being in the world that you have called me into. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus does not call us out of the tension. Jesus does not call us to escape the tension. He does not call us to, to be fearful in the tension. He does not call us to shy away or back away or, or, or be, become fearful of the opposition when we face the tension. Jesus does not call us to escape the tension. He calls us to remain in him as we live in the tension. This is our calling as believers. It's not to run away. It's not to escape. It's not to hide in fear. It's not to, no, no, no. Jesus calls us to remain in him as we live in the tension. Because Jesus does not call us out of the world. He calls us to be a light in the world. We're called to remain in Jesus as we live and we navigate the tensions of this world, but how do we do that? What does that actually look like practically? How do I remain in Jesus when daily I am faced with the tension of living in the world? I wanna remind you of verse 26. It says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. He will send the advocate. There's other translations that say that, that call the Holy Spirit the helper. Jesus says when the helper comes. Listen, living intention is only possible through the Holy Spirit. Living in the tension, remaining in Jesus, as we live in the tension that we are faced with on a daily basis, is only possible through the Holy Spirit. It's only possible when the Holy Spirit has made his home inside of you, and it's only possible when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you on a daily basis, not when you're just, not when you're at church on Sundays, not when you are, you know, getting together with your small group, but every single day when you go to your workplace, when you go to school, when you're at your kid's sports uh, activity, whatever it may be, this is what, the, what Jesus calls us to, loot, to do, to live in the tension through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, number one, the Holy Spirit helps us to love in the tension. The Holy Spirit helps us to love in the tension. Why? Because our greatest temptation when we live in the tension that we face daily is to hate is to judge, is to condemn. This will be our greatest temptation as believers. Why? Because tension is uncomfortable. When there's tension, our guard is up. 
And when our guard is up and we feel threatened, what happens? Our human instinct kicks in to fight, right? It's to fight or flight. This is why it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us to love when we're in the tension. Because when we face tension, our guard is up, we feel threatened. And so when we read or we see that hateful post on, on social media, right, we, 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 we have that thing that's stirred up inside of us and we feel like we have, to, we have to participate in the battle, in the comments section, right? This is what, but, but Jesus calls us to love. When we hear of someone who lives a certain lifestyle or believes a certain political agenda, we're tempted to judge and to condemn. And why does this matter? Because if we're not careful, we will alienate people and adopt an us versus them mentality. And this is not the mentality that Jesus has called us to adopt. Jesus calls us to love in the tension, but it's only possible through the Holy Spirit as we remain in him. And number two, the Holy Spirit helps us to serve in the tension. He helps us to love and he helps us to serve in the tension. So Pastor Adam brought up that this moment takes place after what we know as the Last Supper. And the Last Supper in John chapter 13, after the disciples and Jesus share in the Last Supper, this is the chapter where Jesus says that he gets up from the table, he wraps a towel around his waist, he fills up the jar of water and he gets down on his knees and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And we know this is truly one of the ultimate acts of service. And what I love about this moment is that if you read in John chapter 13 in verse two, the Bible points out a very specific detail that we cannot miss right before Jesus gets on his knees and begins to wash the feet of all of his disciples. And verse two, it said that the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And immediately, the verse right after this is the verse where Jesus begins to wash the feet of his disciples. But don't miss this. Jesus knew what was going on in the mind of Judas. He knew that Judas was already going to betray him. He knew that Judas was already going to stab him in the back. And Jesus being the loyal, kind, compassionate king and servant that he is in the face of betrayal, still gets on his knees and begins to wash the nasty, stinky, dirty feet of the guy that's getting ready to stab him in the back. Could you imagine the tension in that moment? And it wasn't verbalized, but Judas knew. Jesus knew. Yet he served him anyway. What would it look like if you and I adopted the mentality that our king, the example that he set in this moment, where in the face of outrage, in the face of betrayal, in the face of anger, we still, hum we still humbled ourselves enough to get on our knees and serve a world that wants nothing to do with him. What would it look like if we allowed the Holy Spirit to teach us to love and to serve as we live in the tension? See, Jesus is not just our savior, he is our 
example. So we have an understanding as we remain connected to the vine of what our relationship to the vine is, what our relationship to one another is, and what our relationship to the world will be like. And so the question that we have to answer this morning is this, is will you remain? Will you remain? you remain even when it's unpopular, inconvenient, and there's a little bit of pruning involved? Will you remain loyal to each other, loving one another, even when there's outrage about what you believe and how you live your life? Will you remain as you deal with the tension every single day? living in a lost, in a broken world. Will you remain? We need the Holy Spirit to help us remain. Would you send your feet this morning? I want every eye closed and I want us to just focus on the presence of God in this room for just a few moments. And if you're here this morning and you can be honest and vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I love Jesus, I live for Jesus every day, but if I was being honest, it's a little bit tough sometimes to have the strength to remain. And so if you're honest, and my hand is gonna be the first one to shoot up, I'm gonna pray a prayer for the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh, to renew our strength, to remain in Jesus as we continue to navigate the reality of our life, the reality of the world, and all the things that come with it. So if you're here and you're saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help, I need the strength to remain. I want us to just lift up both hands. And as we pray, allow God in this moment through his spirit to fill up your life, fill up your heart, renew your mind. as he gives us the strength to remain. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that your presence is in this room. I thank you for every believer that is in here right now that is acknowledging that we missed the mark. That we know we're to be connected to the vine, but we're not always the best at it. That a lot of times, if we're being honest, we are fearful of the tension. We're intimidated by the tension. We're uncomfortable with the tension, but Holy Spirit, we are so thankful. We are so grateful that you don't give up on us, and so we just pray that you would fill us anew. Give us a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring of your Spirit, Lord, that you would empower and equip your people, God, to remain in you, that you would give us the strength to remain in you, Jesus, and that we would allow you to fill up our hearts and our lives every day, that we, would be, that we would love God with our being, that we would love each other sacrificially, and that we would walk with you faithfully in the face of tension. God, we thank you so much for who you are, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.